Thank you for listening to the Made with Love Experiment. My name is Nicole Snow, and I'm the founder and CEO of Darn Good Yarn. This podcast is a look into the lives of makers, women, and entrepreneurs as we dissect what it is that helps us curate life on our own terms. Creativity is not just for some crafting supplies and a pattern. I believe creativity can fuel you to live your best life. And yes, it's all an experiment. Join me as we dive into the world of these special individuals, and my hope is that you take some morsels of encouragement and empowerment so you can go and create your best life. Hey everyone, it's Nicole Snow. I'm the founder and CEO of DarnYarn.com, and I have an awesome guest for us today on the Made with Love experiment. Um, and it's Melinda Bird, and she is the founder of Bird Call Studio. Um, and I am so excited to have you on our show today. Like, I'm a fangirl. We met at a Stitches event over in, uh, it was Connecticut last year? Hartford. Hartford, yeah. How, how can I forget the traffic of Hartford? And <laughs> I remember going up to you, and you had a beautiful display, like, right in front. And I was like, is this, like, rug hooking? And you were like, no, 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 come sit down, and let me show you everything. <laughs> and so um, I just, I'm not, I don't even want to tell you a story. I would love for you to tell everyone what your studio, what your business is all about, because I am completely now hooked into your world of Yay. making rugs, and it's just so exciting for me. That, that's, that's exciting for me to hear, because <laughs> part of my mission is to share what I know. And um, I learned from my grandparents when I was a little kid, and um, they started importing supplies for making rear rugs from Sweden the year I was born. And so um, I grew up playing with yarn and matching colors, and they made me design my first. I wanted to make a rear rug, and they said, no, you design your own. And so they gave me for a Christmas present all the supplies I needed for one pillow. It was a big pillow. Yeah. But um, it, it took me a while to do, but that was my first designed rug. But anyway, I, I worked with them in their later years. And um, and 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 Ria rug making was not so easy to find at that time, and it was not like the hot fashion in the magazines at that time. So it kind of fell by the wayside. And so my my grandparents passed away. My parents sold the business. So they asked if I wanted it, and I said no. I've got my own career. And then thirty years later, I realized that I knew something that a lot of people didn't know about how to do it. And so I started sharing it in a video, and the video just has been seen by well over a half million people and they're contacting me saying how do you do this so I'm writing a book um, but in the meantime I was running a studio and, and providing artwork for a lot of customers so I'm trying to that's my juggle is running the studio trying to be what other people want me to be as the artist but also getting the information out yeah and and there's nobody else right now who can teach what I can teach. I yeah, that's, I found that so fascinating. And like, I, I want to get into the history of Rhea Rugs as well, because that in itself, like I, I have told that story that you told me. So it's like, it is, uh, it's like old school storytelling where like it kind of passes from one to another. Good. Yeah. But the history of Rhea is, is so interesting. Um, for people who aren't, who don't know about it, can you talk a little bit about what it is um and yeah. and that's a rug right behind you too that's that's one of your that that was featured right a tree of life yeah that was in the show and this is going to be on the cover of my book uh, so i hope so it's so beautiful you've seen you saw it here folks <laughs> um, yeah um it, the the history the the oldest it goes back is, is to the viking days 
and just the, the logic of once people started to weave, knowing how a pile of um, shag on a weave makes something a whole lot warmer than a flat weave. And so where they were wearing sheepskins or animal hides at one point, they're very hard to clean, they're hard to, they, are, they're, they don't bend easily. So people started to weave with some shag, just wool, fleece maybe, tucked into the fibers of the, of the warp and, and beat down. And, and that was the very beginning, sort of as, as clothing. Yeah. And sleigh coverings and boat rias. Out in the boats, it was freezing cold. And these rias, the woven rias, were very um, insulative. Mm -hmm. So... So then they gradually started to become more um, decorative over the centuries. Uh -huh. uh, Vikings were bringing rugs from Persia and uh, the monasteries and bringing them home and like, hey, this is a cool rug. Oh, I can do a design like that. So the de designs developed. And um, it's, uh, it's mostly, a, a, from my understanding, Sweden and Norway as the main developers mm -hmm. of the Ria of the rug. And then Finland joined in later and made it more of an art form than the practical form. I mean, and I remember, read, I remember reading at one point, too, that, like, women would make the rug, um, they would make a, a rear rug to get, and they would get married on it. Like, that was, like, the wedding, like, I don't right. know if dowry is the right word, but they, they yeah. would get married, and, um, and then you'd have their <laughs> rug, you know, show off your craftiness, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but and if they couldn't do it because they didn't have the ability or the, the loom, they would hire people who, weavers who go from town to town weaving rugs for other people. That's the so wedding rug. And so they would, be, they would lay them on their wedding bed or on the bed and yeah. they just kept them warm face down so the pile was holding the air pockets. Um, and, and in Finland, apparently, I learned from one woman, they hung them on a wall in their home until the a spouse died and then it went on their bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm learning lots of different things and some might be just in certain areas, but um, yeah. I'm putting, it's in the book, but I, I, a lot of it's just stories. And this is, this is in no way medical, um, medical advice here. That's my disclaimer, but I'll tell you, I was dealing with a little bit of like arthritis in my wrist, in my right wrist. And, um, and it was actually holding me back from doing a lot of like my arts and crafts. I got, I had like a little bit of a workplace injury at Darn Good Yarn a year ago. Everyone laughs. It was because I was taping boxes and that repetitive motion like really messed my wrist up. Um, and I actually sat down and I just started really ripping Terry into um, one of the rugs, one of the kits I got from you. And I'm going to tell you like, I'm convinced that it helped all of my stabilizer muscles because it's not, I don't want to say it's a wussy, it's not a wussy craft. It's like you have to put some oomph into that. And that I, like, I don't have wrist issues anymore. And I'm like, I'm convinced that it was because of that motion and you're like cranking that yarn through. Um, yeah. And you get biceps developed when you work on a rear rug too. Yeah, you gotta be a hard, you gotta be a hardy girl to do rear rug making. Like almost half my customers, maybe a third, are men. Believe it or not. Oh, and yeah, which, which you know is unusual for fiber arts. It, generally, you know what you're you're right about that. You're right about that. And the other thing I think is interesting to point out, like what I really like about this rug making technique is um, that you're holding three different usually three different colors. I think that's probably the newer, that, I think that's what you were leading into where um, three different colors and usually three different um, 
weights of yarn as well of wool yarn. Right. Um, and that's how you're getting that really beautiful shade. So if anyone, the people that are watching this, maybe for our listeners who are just listening on podcast, you'll have to come in. Oh, you have, this is perfect. This is a threading card and it, it, it shows like how you, it's like a palette, the, the Rhea artist palette, as you know, but like you put three strands on a needle and you can get a huge spectrum of color. Mm -hmm. so it creates, it right creates just a lot of really beautiful depth. Um, that I think, you know, like people who are into rug hooking, if they do their own dyeing of their own wool, like they kind of like to get that multi-tonal effect. Like you achieve the same when just by mixing the three different types of yarns and the different tones off of that, um, right. which is just so cool. Yeah, it is. And it's hearty. It just, it just feels so good in your hands. <clears throat> It's, I, I'm totally love it. I love how vibrant it is. It's, it's just, it's so different. And you know, when I met you, um, I have been thinking about like in terms of darn good yarn, um, you know, what the next step is. And I see, so in India, you know, we deal a lot with yarns from India and you see often, um, art sort of dying out or the quality diminish over time because, the next generation isn't there to backfill and learn and make that art better. Like it's just dying off because you know, the kids go move to the big cities and they go live their life. And so then you have, and it's happening around the globe. These old school like folk arts are dying off. And I'm like, man, I have, I've been just putting out into the world. And after I met you, I'm like, okay, I think I really have to do this. Is some kind of show or documentation that really displays each of these handicrafts that, or just have this limited, um, these limited chain, like these limited supplies, like out into the world, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. I, well, how do you it with your yarn too? Because there's no reason it has to be Rhea rug yarn. That's my experience. With, you know, I, I use Rhea rug yarn, but you have so many yarns at your fingertips. Imagine playing with what yeah. you have. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, that's going to be the next step. I, I have a two-year-old as well, so... <laughs> And I get it. I like, I, I'm sure a lot of crafters can like identify, like I, I'm sort of like a squirrel. I'm like, Oh, this craft. Okay. And then next craft. <laughs> like, let me try. Yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell us a little bit about your other studio. And I, I think this is like really would be very interesting for a lot of our listeners because a lot of people I find they, they juggle a lot. And so, you know, they're either juggling between motherhood and their business or maybe a full-time other job. Um, so you have like, you have a, your actual, is that like more of like your full-time job, if you want to call that or. I was doing, but it, I mean, the RIA has totally taken off with a huge demand. And what I was doing before, which was mostly printmaking, carving woodcuts and lino cuts and printing on paper and also printing on clothing. Cool. Um, and the, the clothing, the t-shirts, they had, had a huge following and they still have a huge following, but I just can't keep up with that. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm selling them on Etsy and let people know exactly what's there and they get that very shirt that they see. Um, but I also, I mean, I paint on, I have painted on glassware, pretty, pretty exciting work, not, not normal stuff, um, but like portraits and uh, flowers and I mean, well, so glassware, I make floor cloths, which oh. are canvases that you walk on. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, I love floor cloths. I mean, I, I could go in so many di directions too, but the Rhea has just 
it's like that's what everybody who contacts me wants many emails a day um, wow and I've met so many people around the world through that's, this that's so cool so how do you how do you, I mean you have the demand obviously and you have sort of the the family lineage with it is that the calling or is artistically like this is where it's brought like this is where you're you I don't want to say full circle because that's corny but it kind of seems like that a little bit. I never intended that to happen, but it happened and I knew it happened. I knew it was happening as it was happening. And that was when I had to make a decision, first of all, to write the book and to, to, and to re, try to revive this art. But I knew it was going to totally take all my time and I would have to give up everything else I did uh, pretty much. Um, and was it was a difficult? decision. Yeah, it was really difficult. And I still think, well, when the book's done and when the excitement settles out, then I'll paint paintings again and I'll make floor cloths and I'll do this and that. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. But, well, when, when, if I teach more people to teach and kind of get this snowball effect, mm -hmm. I'll lighten my load because other people can promote it and do it and get more stores and shops and um, art centers selling the supplies and um, keeping it alive. I feel like my mission and what I hope to kind of do, do for my grandparents who are long gone now is, um, is proof to them that, that they really did, they were, they were on the cutting edge of a really incredible craft and it, it, it wasn't there for them after a while. After a couple of decades, it, it, it was tough for them and they kind of gave up and I felt sad for them. But, but here it's just, I mean, yeah, I'm becoming my grandparents. <laughs> So what would you like if you hadn't asked, like, you know, we have the Darn Good Yarn community, like, have you started to train teachers already? Like, do you have a certification course or? Well, that's the book. The book is going to be the start because I can send that out around the world. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, and then once people, because people don't know what Rhea is, most people say Raya, it doesn't really matter, but, um, I can't draw people in to learn something that they have no idea what it is. And it's such a, it's so easy to fall in love with Rhea, as you know. And it took me like five, it took me seriously five minutes. And that was with like an audience because you were doing a demonstration and it was like the last thing you want to do. I mean, think about learning how to knit in front of a whole bunch of people. and You're like, oh my God, this is going to turn out terribly. And I was nervous. And like, seriously, like it, it took no time at all. Like, yeah, it's a great yeah. So I have to keep getting it out in that type of way and then have someone that I teach say, I really like this. This is where I want to go in life. And then bring, bring that group together and, and teach everything I know. Although every time I teach, I teach everything I know pretty much. And, and the book has all the details, but right. um, like I'm teaching starting tomorrow, an eight week class at a retirement community that I taught at last year. And I mean, this, it happens to be all women that, that sign up, but they design their own. They knew they learn the math, which is could be daunting, but it's not really that bad. Um, so it's it's really rewarding for me. But I, they probably won't take it and, and take the ball and run. I need a a younger audience who will mm. um, do more with it. Yeah, and keep it alive. I, I don't know. If I, <laughs> yeah, um, one little story I'll share with you. This morning I got an email from a friend in Sweden named Mia. Mia contacted me about three years ago and she said she had found someone had given her a Rhea rug kit and she didn't know how to do it. And she couldn't find anybody in, in her community who knew anything about it. And she asked me to teach her and I did. And I thought, 
And that's when I decided I have to write a book because if Sweden, people in Sweden can't find the answer to yeah. how to make a kit. So she emailed me today and said, well, also she, she gets my newsletter. And in my newsletter, I asked for people who know a little bit about Rhea to offer to be a mentor, where if, if somebody in their community buys a kit and doesn't know what to do or buys supplies and doesn't know what to do, they, they, I hook them up. I link them up so they can help each other. So Mia got a, um, an email from another woman in Sweden who bought a kit from me just a few months ago. And that woman needed interpretation, actually of the Norwegian instructions, and Mia helped her and solved her problem. That's which so is like, cool. that's exactly what I need. <laughs> that's so, that is, I love that. That is so cool. <laughs> it's, um, you're building, you're building community too. And I, I think there is, that's the essence of, of, I think, so much of our crafting. It's almost like crafting is the secondary effect of this community of, of individuals, like just trying to create. And um, yeah. that's cool. It's cool that you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> how many, um, so like how many people a year do you think, or a month do you think, get hooked onto Rhea? Uh, I, that's a little tough, but uh, I mean, maybe I might start maybe two or three people a week on a new project. That's and cool. that's just, I mean, it's not that many, but, but then I get like the, on the video, I'll get comments of all these people who I've never seen this craft before. This is where I want to go in life. And so I, I see the comments that come on the on YouTube video, yeah. which is kind of reaching out and reaching to people. But, and then I, I've started a, um, a Facebook group off my Facebook page bird call studio and the group has about 90 people who have signed up and they, they talk to each other. I, I've kind of put it in their hands and they help each other. Um, that's awesome. So that's, that's really rewarding for me. So you get the teachers, right? So you get the teachers in place or you get some kind of cool certification in, in the works and like, okay, now you have this. Do you go back to the art that you were working on that you sort of put on hold, or what? What do you What do you think would be the next the next step? I don't know, but the main point of that is I would be able to do whatever I want. Right. And so, and I I've not been designing new rias lately because for my for time practically, I every every hour I spend on ria is for somebody else at this point. Mm -hmm. So if for me to design something for myself. Well, I could, I could design it and turn it into a kit, but I, it takes time. So I, I have designs in my head that I really would be dying to do. But also, I mean, I'm getting older and, um, you know, things I carve and it takes tools and hands. I just had hand surgery a few weeks ago and oh, wow. I'm back to, back to normal again. But, um, you know, I do a lot of physical stuff with my hands. And so I can't do everything forever. So um, painting may be where I head eventually, but... I think it's going to be Rhea. I think it's my teaching. I, I become an evangelist when I talk about Rhea. People have told me that and I you, can't help you are, it. You are. I mean, like I'm, I, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> you, you know, I have to tell you, I had a quilt rack, an old quilt rack in my house and I turned it into my Rhea stand. So oh, I got the rug up and because I was finding like I was moving it around my house and, um, and then I said, okay, like I need something that's, where I could sit at a table, but my table isn't always available. And as the, I've gotten like quite through the rug. So like, I'm, I have maybe, 
oh, maybe not even a third left to, to complete. So you have this big heavy rug on you. And then I usually have my daughter kind of hanging on me. So I took this quilt stand. I'll have to take a picture of it actually, because I think you'd be interested. And I yeah. clamped it on both the top and bottom. So now it's like almost like as if you were had a tapestry and um, you sewed it onto a thing. Like I just sort of clamped it and I can work on it very quickly now. Like, you know, that's, yeah. it's, it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, you should post that picture of that on the on the um, friends yeah. of Ria because that's the kind of thing people share. Then they show what they do. It's yeah, yeah, and it's nice and ergonomic because it's the quilt rack is like exactly at like a nice height of a desk where you're not hunched over and it's nice on your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Very smart. <laughs> I'll show that to you. Yeah, this yeah. is. I'm just. I'm so. I just think it's so cool what you're doing, and I. I you know, I understand the sort of stretch between having something you want to do and then like sort of your mission at hand. I, I have a, a lot of similar feelings, like even in running the business every day, um, where you have this business that its own little, it's its own little microcosm. You have your employees and stock and all of this. And then I have these like passion projects that I'm like, well, if I get to this place, then I'll have time for this. Exactly what you're talking about, like being able to revive, um, revive other crafts is really where my heart keeps tugging towards um, and finding things like that. And, but I'm like, oh, but I have this business thing I have to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I want to read books. I'm collecting all these books I want to read, having nothing to do with Rhea, but they sit in my bookshelf right. until I have time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I. I I think part of it's a technology, you know, an answer from technology to help us. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm learning at least. And yeah. then you know, finding the right people to help us too, you know, who are just as passionate. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm learning a little from you doing, reaching out this way to so many people. Yeah. Hey, right. we might, you might find someone that can completely revolutionize the way you're, you're doing it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> Can you show people just, I, I don't know if it's available to you, but the, for everyone who's watching to show just the back of the rear rug, because I think that's yeah. actually the coolest. Well, I shouldn't say the coolest. It's a, it's just, it's unexpected. Yeah. This is not, this is a little one that I have. Yeah. This is, my, I, I bought that one for my mother-in-law, that kit for my mother-in-law for her birthday. Uh, I got major daughter-in-law points, very neat oh, daughter-in-law points <laughs> for, uh, um, so like this is when I drew in the backing as a, as stars and here's the front of it. That's so cool. And just for the fun of it, I'll show you the same in gray. I don't know if you've seen the gray one. Oh, I haven't seen the gray one, but that's all natural grays. Wow. And on the back. Now are the sheep like special sheep or what's, yeah. what's special about the wool? Well, the wool on these backings is um, from Norway, and it's the Spelso sheep, which is in the direct line of um, ev evolution in Norway. There's a Vilso and Spelso, and they're like a branch. So it's coarse. They are rugged sheep that don't need pampering. Um, it's, it's wool that would never be used as a sweater around your neck because it would be scratchy, itchy, and... Um, um, I feel so these that's like, like my spirit animal, kind of rugged and harsh. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're a Rhea girl. 
I know I, I I've heard that the when they they had these sheep that were really coarse, not not the and there's one called the Ria Ria Far from okay. Sweden. It's a very rare sheep now. There's only I think like two thousand of them left in the world. Wow. Um, and so that's what that's one of the breeds that really did almost die off, but it was saved. But there are other sheep breeds that had such coarse wool that the that their their hair wool was used to make the backings. It was the only thing they could think of doing with this wool is put on you know make it something very coarse, totally waterproof um, for sleds and boats. Yeah, but. That's yeah. cool. That's great. Yeah. I, we're going to, um, yeah, I, and you know, where did I, I, there was a video of you with this, you were making that, um, where can people find yeah. your videos and things like that? Um, that, that's the only video I've made to completion. Um, and it's on YouTube and the best way to find it is just go to YouTube and type Rhea rug making. Okay. And you will find it. And that's um, RYA for anyone who's maybe just like listening and walking on a walk right now or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been working on some other videos with the same guy who did that video. Um, but we put them aside until the book's done because I don't want to get too frazzled. But I'm thinking as a coaching mechanism for people, like once they start making a rug, I can, I'm working on a video that will have all the tips and tricks, just this time savers. Cool. What's the word now they use um, for hacks. tips and tricks? Hacks. What is it? Hacks? Hacks, yeah. <laughs> Rhea hacks. <laughs> but there's, there's lots of hacks that, that people, they figure them out on their own, but it's just, why not learn it from a video and share it with somebody else? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I could, I, maybe I'll do a little video of how I set up my uh, cold stand because it totally yeah. increased my speed. And... Uh, that's what I, and that's what I needed because you have you like my little two year old, she has red hair. So it's just like, you see this little poof of red hair and like, you're like, okay, I have 20 minutes to craft right now. Like you need to get after it, Nicole. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's smart. I know they used to sell them. Um, I think in Sweden, but Norway, Norway's catalog, it's like a very old fashioned directions that come with the kits oh. show a woman dressed in 1950s clothing working on a rack and I've never seen I've never seen that rack anybody using it it's just in that little picture but I know that people use them but you, you've developed you've developed your own that's really cool I'll, 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 I'll actually I'll take a picture tonight and I'll, I'll, I'll um, email it to you just so you can see what I'm doing <laughs> I like well, that. This, this has been so much fun um, I I hope that everyone goes to check out what you're doing um, Erica who works with me here she's going to post the links to how anyone can find you. Um, you. You said through your Etsy store is really the best way to do that. Well, it, through Etsy, they can see everything and read about everything and see 10 pictures of everything. So yes. that's a good place to start. Yeah. And I'll tell anyone that's starting, if you're even interested, um, Linda, you have some really just nice basic kits. Like you don't need a lot. Like it's not like other crafts where you need to have, I don't know, like a loom or anything else. Like you can just right. sit there with, the yarn and your needles and do your thing. Um, so if you just get the kit, the kit truly has everything you need in it. And um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You don't have to do cool. swatches and all of that. It's no. My hope is people make a kit and then say, I can make my own and then just get yarn colors and just design their own. And yeah. But your kits are, own. your kits are awesome. I got your water swirl and I'm like, I cannot wait to get this started. So that's a fun one. Yeah. 
yeah i'm finishing up the other one still so this is i, I collect them I'm like, I'm like you with the books it's like you just collect them and you're like i will have all this time in the world at some point to get all of my crafting done said every single yeah. crafter so <laughs> you have to teach your daughter and get her doing it yeah yeah we just uh we just learned how to plant seeds last night in soil so Yay. we're making progress <laughs> for you that's cool <laughs> All right. Well, this has been so much fun. I always like to end the shows with one, one special question is what's the best advice that anyone has ever given you? I think there was a time when I was um, trying to see if I could make it as an artist and I wanted to be as good as other people. And I think finally somebody said, be yourself. It's, it's the individual of you that is the essence of you. And that's what shines. And there's no, being like other people that can make your essence come through and make art joyful. So yeah. I try to be myself. That's cool. That's a, it's a great message. It's hard and it's, it's a good, it's always a good reminder because right. we're our own worst critics sometimes. Yeah. Don't judge yourself. Just let things flow and, and love what you do and smile and just share it with others. That's so cool. This has been so fun. Like I, I just, I feel like I'm reconnecting with an old friend, like even though we've all, we've only met that one other time, but um, I, yeah. it's just, you have so much love in what you do and um, it's, it's just, it's, it's really refreshing to have, to see someone have so much joy in our creative industry. And I, sometimes it does get this like kind of weird commercialization and watching people on Instagram and it does get very high, it gets highly competitive and, it, I think it holds people back more than frees them to really be themselves. And um, I think that you, you're a really great beacon of light for a lot of crafters and makers out there. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed talking with you today. Yeah. And everybody. You.